upon his face there to sing forever of his
I keep saying it, but I just feel the spirit when you're playing. And, you know, I got a telephone call here just the other day, and that was the exact same thing that one of the brothers was saying, of feeling the spirit. That is so important. Because the spirit, you know, is what makes things alive. The Bible tells us that without the spirit, you know, it's, it's dead. So, blessed be the name of God. <clears throat> okay. So we have a lot to cover today, and it's so very, very important. We're going to sort of review uh, a couple of the uh, previews that we did in, when introducing uh, the, uh, the broadcasts, because there's a lot of information in that that coincides with the story of, of this whole unfold of the Passover plan. Um, when we were talking about um, Exodus Escape 5, uh, we talked about uh, the time of Moses uh, and the Exodus Escape uh, when they were commissioning the congregation. And the congregation became a proxy, uh, became a, a proxy uh, for all of Israel. And uh, all of... Um, the individuals that represented that proxy were the were the were the individuals that were to become the army, and they were to add up to over a sum of of six hundred thousand men, and uh, they were to represent um, all of of Israel, and uh, they were to represent them because each of those individual uh, persons represented the father ministry. And the father ministry then represented the whole of Israel. And we're going to get into, you know, some of that uh, in more depth here today, Lord willing. Um, so these, um, uh, these persons that were chosen uh, as the army of Israel, uh, they, uh, they became very rebellious. And they became so rebellious that... Um, in the end, uh, they were not allowed to ever cross the Jordan and go into the Promised Land. Uh, they they would all end up dying uh, in the wilderness, and then the offspring uh, would be the ones that would cross over into uh, into Jordan, so um, or over the Jordan into the Promised Land. So uh, that is extremely very important to understand how this thing of the proxy works and and why it's so important. One example of their rebellious uh, thing was um, uh, when they had gotten to um, an area close to what's called Kadesh uh, Barnea, uh, which is uh, in the what's called the uh, Petra or Sila area. Now, the, the Petra means rock, and Sila also is... is uh, and name for for the rock the the rock god you know and um <clears throat> it's very important in psalms uh, it, the way it uses it and in some of the other books the word sila it it is a divine word and and it has a divine revelation and it was the chosen place where uh, uh, uh many of the the people that that took the different route into Canaan were to then cross over with their goods and and meet up with uh, Moses and the army again. And uh, so that's very, very important. 
Then um, we have the situation where uh, we talk, we're talking about the army and being rebellious. At that, in that area of Kadesh, uh, they became very, very angry because there wasn't enough water for their, for their cattle, their sheep, for themselves. And they, they talked about uh, electing a new leader and taking the whole army back to Egypt. And just turning themselves in, and and uh, asking for mercy from the Pharaoh, and seeing if they could be restored uh, to to being um, able to live in the land of of Egypt again, and uh, this was very uh, uh, much of a disposition that that uh, displeased God and Moses and and the leaders, and um, so the so uh, Jesus in Luke nineteen forty we we. We shared with this, uh, I think, uh, uh, recently. Uh, you know, he said that if the people don't cry out and give glory to, to me, then he says the very rocks will do that. The very stones will do that. And so that turned out to be exactly what happened when the rock uh, brought forth the water to feed the cattle and the sheep and the and the people um, in uh, such a way that. Um, the the miracle of the pillar angels was not used, uh, which the promise of the pillar angels was that God would send the angels before uh, the people, and the angels would would uh, would war for them, and uh, and they would do miracles for them, and they were they were this this cloud of of angels. It's very interesting that in uh, today's world of electronics and the internet. Uh, you have these uh, kinds of uh, storage uh, facilities and and group uh, kind of um, collaborative uh, uh, ways of putting uh, d different kinds of information together called the cloud. Um, it's interesting how that this cloud was a really big thing, and it had to do with not just cumulus clouds, but uh, and and stratospheric clouds, but it had to do with uh, with uh, something very divine and very sacred, and then, and was very technically advanced as to the uh, the the uh, the ships that they used to fly faster than the speed of of, uh, of uh, sound and faster than the speed of light sometimes. So we had this um, angelic plan that did not get to be used because uh, of the rebellion. And so the rock cried out and provided the rock, the water instead of it being perform, performed in such a way, uh, which was a nature that God had been doing, where the 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 um, the foods and and the substances and and the clothing and and the water uh, could last for long periods of time, like forty days and nights at a time, and and you wouldn't need to renew that, and and so it was possible for the spirit. To, to do that kind of thing, and that's what God wanted to do for all of the animals and, and Israel. But, um, you know, the, the forces Stark uh, brought that spirit of rebellion and uh, changed that plan. Now, um, this um, angelic plan uh, to imbue and empower the troops uh, so as to not need food or not need water for uh, the periods of their march through the wilderness, um, uh, was uh, so uh, distasteful to God that uh, at one part there uh, he had serpents 
began to be along the route and and bite people and some people would get extremely sick some of the soldiers got extremely sick some of them died and then uh, God gave a plan to to Moses to make uh, a a a pole now one of the things that a pole can be called is a rod. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the rod stood for and how important the rod was. Uh, when this rod was was made, uh, it was very interesting. It describes it in numbers, how that that there was a uh, an angel at the top of the rod with its with its foot on top the head of a, of a serpent. And, and it was of the nature that anyone that would look upon that rod and see it, if they had been bitten by a snake, uh, the poison would have no effect. So the rod ministry uh, throughout the entire leading of, of the people of Israel uh, was extremely important. We're going to just see how important as we progress uh, through this, this teaching. Um, so uh, God has a plan. And, um, and he will cause the stones to cry out if, um, if, if we become rebellious and we don't have the faith to believe that God can heal us, that God can provide uh, the miracles that are necessary, that God can uh, open the impossible roots and make uh, things that had just been hopes uh, turn into realities. If we fail to believe that, then we become losers. And um, the plan of these soldiers uh, being commissioned, being commissioned to be the proxy, be in the father ministry. This father ministry is so important. In the book of John, we see how Jesus talked about it. And we see, like in his prayers, he said, here's how I want you people to pray. Now listen to me as I teach you this prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Father ministry. Then Jesus, in his preparation to, to depart, and he made two incredibly important statements. Number one, I cannot stay here with you in this physical mortal body. If I do not go away, then the Holy Spirit will not be able to come in the manner of outpouring that I wanted to come. The Holy Spirit was available prior to that time, yes, but Jesus wanted it to be poured out so that it was no longer uh, so selective, so that anybody could have it that would just open their, their minds and hearts to receive it in Jesus' name. And, uh, and he said, that was one thing he said was so important. And the other thing that he said, and he, this was the 14th chapter of St. John, in my father's house are many mansions. I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And then in the course of his teachings, he would say, my father is greater than I am. Now, as we begin to look at these kind of commissions, commissions of doctrine, commissions of belief, commissions of insight and manifest revelation. And we know that for them to work for us, we have to apply them. And to apply them, we have to have knowledge of understanding. And 
God has raised up manifest ministry so that people can get this kind of knowledge and get this kind of teaching. And these commissioned soldiers, uh, of course, did not seem to fully understand that there was an underlying satanic, Lucifer Satan influence that wanted to stop their going into the, into the Promised Land, wanted to stop them crossing the Jordan. And we talked about this revelation of the Isaiah 14, 12 through 17 reveal, which it talks about Satan prophesying that he would one day sit on the Mount of Congregation in the sides of the north. And we showed how that, that sides of the north, when you apply it to the location in which this was referring, it is 33.33 degrees of the meridian description. That is precisely where Mount Hermon is located. Now, as we begin to get into this, and we see how that the Bible says that Lucifer um, had brought, had, had turned the world into a wilderness. And, and, you know, people might go back and say, well, what's it talking about? Is it talking about when the, uh, that big stone in cosmic space came through and asteroid and struck the earth and just about destroyed the earth? No, I think it's quite, for sure it's not talking about that. We do know that there are many times, not every time, that when the word world is used, it is referring to the people. So like in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's what it was talking about. He so loved the world. He said, greater love has no man than when a person would lay down his life for his friend. And as we begin to look at that and see that, and then we put this again uh, through the ringer, because I, I'm not sure that everyone really got this point when I, I preached it a couple uh, uh, broadcasts ago how that when Lucifer brought that rebellion into the army, the army of God that was representing the fathers, which was representing by their commission the, the whole of Israel, he was able to succeed, being Lucifer was able to succeed in turning the plan of God to make it across the Jordan, the glory of God to be victorious, to turn it into a wilderness. Because all of those people of the army, all of those over 600,000 persons, had to spend the rest of their life in the wilderness and were never able to go over crossover into the promised land or even to see the promised land. Now one thing I do want to make clear that when I talk about this army of over 600,000 men representing the children of Israel, we are not saying there are not case, there, there are not instances in which there were other persons that went over. We know that the sea people crossed over, the, the high coast people crossed over, uh, uh, from the border of Egypt uh, 
you know, uh, in a, an escape plan from, from Egypt. And we also know that there were, there were certain ladies, like, like Miriam, the, brother, the sister uh, uh, of her brother Moses and her brother Aaron. Uh, but she was not, she was not cho uh, chosen to be in the father ministry because at that time they were, only the males were allowed to represent the father ministry. But she was a very important individual, and there were other la ladies that were involved in you know, certain kinds of things, probably uh, for nursing the soldiers if they got wounded in battle or anything like that, plus uh, food provisions. And, and uh, so there, there, were, there was you know, other people that did go with those soldiers that were not counted as the soldiers, but they were included in, in, in uh, you know, the individuals that went with them. But not the bulk. The bulk of the common people uh, did not go with the soldiers, as we have showed before. And we're going to talk more about that. So now we begin to see that, uh, that this wilderness thing that Satan did was successful. He turned the plan of God that was to go across Jordan and go into the promised land. He turned it into a stop sign that says, no, you're not going. Your rebellion is going to keep you on this side of, of the river, the same side where the giants had lived. It's going to keep you over there with the giants. As, as far as their terra firma is concerned, you're not crossing over. You're going to stay in the wilderness. And that was successful. He turned the promise for those people, their world, into a wilderness. Now, as we get into the thoughts for our escape from Exodus number six, we, we wrote that common minds have not grasped the depth of the Exodus escape Passover plan. Had there ever been a Passover plan before this? Yes. What? Why? Are you sure? Of course I am. This was not the first Passover plan. This was the second Passover plan. And most people don't know that. I've never heard a scholar or a preacher or, or anyone ever mention the prior Passover plan that existed prior to this Passover plan in Egypt. But I'm going to share it with you today, and you're going to be so surprised when I do. And part of this Passover plan was the extent of the, uh, that the angels were to be involved with the escape of Israel from Egypt, which is recorded in the, in, in the Bible. Many of the things that were happening, the signs, the wonders, the, the, the striking down of, of the the firstborn of, of the Egyptians and the plagues and and all those many things were brought on by angelic forces. The whole vanishing of the people from leaving any debris or signs to show the escape routes was all enfolded in the vanishing uh, pillar clouds of the guardian angels. 
who were able to take that energy and unto the Israelites reveal it as, as a visible light. But unto the pursuing Egyptians uh, create a darkness through which they could not see or comprehend. And you can read about that in Exodus 14, 19, and 24 through 25, and Exodus 15, 1 through 12, and, and St. John 1 through 5. Now, on this escape route for the Israelites, it could be said that they entertained angels unaware. They were not aware that these angels were spiriting transformations, transformations of deliverance for them on land, on the sea, and in the air. All the all the terra firma of the land was covered. The sea was covered, and the airways were covered. Now, there is a, a study that was done on one of the mountains, Mount Sinai, and um, there was a challenge that, that this particular mountain that they said was Sinai, which really was the mountain of Sinai, that um, it could not have been Sinai because of the fact that it says that the angels and that the, the Lord would appear on top of the mountain to the children of Israel. But where the children of Israel had to be camped, you could not see the top of Mount Sinai from there. So they said, that's that, therefore, that cannot be Mount Sinai. But, but you see, they just didn't know the Bible. They just plain didn't know the Bible. Because the Bible tells us in the, the book of, 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 of uh, uh, Psalms, uh, chapter 68, 17 through 18, that there was 20,000 angels that appeared in 20,000 chariots. We call them ziths. And when the Lord appeared to these people, he appeared to them in these ziths, that's Z-Z-I-T-H-S, that were up above the mountain. So they were able to look and see them way, way up in the air those 20,000 chariots of fire, just like the prophet Elisha saw the chariots of fire when Elijah was taken up. Way above any mountain. Could have been 20,000 feet, feet or, or 30,000 feet and they'd still be able to see that. So, People need to understand that. It's like I was recently talking to a person, and they said, what's this name, Soundtron, you've come up with? That has no Bible relevance whatsoever, and it doesn't even make any sense. And I said, well, that's only because you're ignorant of the Scriptures. They said, well, 
what are you talking about? I said, well, in the 19th chapter of the book of, of Psalms, it talks about the line that goes out to all the world. And then when that is transliterated in the book of, 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 uh, of the Bible in Romans 10, then it turns into the word sound. So I'll read that to you, and we'll just show you something very, 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 very interesting. I have never had the time to ever share this before. I just I can't get around to sharing all the scriptures. But it says in the 10th chapter, in a transliteration of the line has gone out throughout all of the, all of the world, this line, L-I-N-E, and, uh, and, it, and it shows that um, um, it's transliterated in Romans 10, 18, where it says, Have they not heard? Yea, verily, their sound went into all the earth. And so we have the word sound instead of the word line. And, and when I explain to people that there used to be this kind of an anchor, that, that it would make a certain sounding as it was dropped into the sea, and that would, that would gauge how deep the water was. And so that was the idea because you had both the line uh, that held the anchor, plus you had on that line this special uh, mechanism that would that would send a vibrational sound that would tell how deep it was going. Now, would there be any scripture for that? Well, I'm going to give you a scripture for it. I'm going to give you Acts 27, and we're going to just read it right here, and it's very, very interesting. As we look at this, Acts 27, and let me just turn to it here. I've got this Bible that's wanting to stick together. Okay, Acts 27, 28. And um, here's what it says. Let's see. Okay. We'll start with uh, 27, 27. But when the 14th night was come, and we were driven up and down in, in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded it and found it 20 Phantom, phantoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again. That sounded, S-O-U-N-D-E-D, -E and found it 15 phantoms. So here you see where in the Bible term, along the line of testing to see how deep it is, they do this sounding, and then that goes along with the 10th chapter of Romans, which goes along with the, with the 19th chapter of Psalms to explain how that the Bible is true and is correct. Now, I only jump into that just to show you, like I made that other example when we were talking about um, uh, this scripture that said that uh, they had, 
the people of Israel had had conquered all of the land. Every single person, you know, had had been conquered. And then you go to another place, and you read, and it says, well, uh, because of the iron chariots, uh, they were not able to defeat some of these other persons, so they just ended up living with them. But then I showed how that the teaching of it was that even though there were some of these people they lived with, God had caused a spirit of rest to come upon them so that they were able to live together and not be at war with one another. And so that there had been a spirit of peace that had been put on it. So in this way, that was how the scripture was intended to be fulfilled. It is very, very important that we do understand and we, we, we do get it down as to these scriptures of understanding. Now, let's just look at something just to get, just while we're talking about the importance of you know, reading the scripture right. Let's go to the book of Numbers. And let's, let's just look, uh, I think it's somewhere, um, okay, let's, let's look over in um, Numbers 30, 32, I think. 32 or 33. Oh, yeah, 33. Okay. Okay, now here we've got um, the children of Israel removed from Ramesses and pitched in Succoth. Now, did anything like this ever happen before? In, 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 the, in the first, uh, 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 you know, experience of the Passover, was there another Passover in which that same name came up, Sakuth? Yes, yes. And you mean it's not about Egypt? No. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. It is so interesting. Then it goes on in verse 8, and they departed from Pahatharo and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness and went three days' journey in the wilderness of Etham and pitched in Marah, and they removed from Marah and came into Elam, and in, and in Elam were twelve fountains of water, threescore and ten uh, palm trees, and they pitched there and removed from Elam and encamped by the Red Sea. Now, if you could get this, if you could really get this, it's so important and easy to miss. It shows them passing through the midst of the sea into the wilderness. This midst of the sea happens to be the Gulf of, of Aqaba. It's also the Red Sea, but it is distinguished with a different name because it is a, a branch off of the Red Sea. So it's not the main body of water of the Red Sea, but it is waters of the Red Sea. So when it says that they departed from this particular city, and then pass through the midst of the Red Sea. <laughs> There's only one place where they pass through a sea. And it's showing here then that it was to get, it was it, it had to be this Gulf of, of Aquaba. How do we know not the Red Sea? Well, it's, it is Red Sea waters. Because then they make this journey and they go obviously a pretty good little distance and end up encamping by the Red Sea. So if they had just passed through the midst of the Red Sea, they would already be at the Red Sea. 
if that was the Red Sea that it's referring to. But it obviously was not the main body of water of the Red Sea. It was the, it was sort of that major tributary, uh, you know, the, the, the Gulf of, of Aqaba. Which proves that that is the, the crossing. And because just on the other side of that is where the, the, the people of Midian lived. Just on the other side of that Gulf of, of Aqaba. Where Moses had lived and had, had married uh, Zipporah, his, his um, Midian wife. <clears throat> so now it's very important that people do not miss understanding the scripture. Because if they misunderstanding and reading the scripture, they miss the revelation. And it's sad for people to miss the revelation. Now you remember, we talked about there being uh, treasure cities. And uh, there was two of them. And uh, these treasure cities mentioned in Exodus 1.11 um, were places where some, you know, weaponry and uh, wealth, uh, I'm sure ever, even gold and silver uh, and coins and all kinds of, uh, of, of maybe even foods, uh, you know, th just a whole city that was made just to be a, a treasure city. And so they had these, I'm sure, very uh, secured and locked uh, uh, storage places. And we can see that from the scriptures that the spoil of the Egyptians was so vast it didn't leave anything in these treasure cities. It didn't leave hardly any wealth at all for the Egyptians. And that is so important. Now, Acts 7.22 says Moses learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So he knew how that the Egyptians think. He knew how the pharaohs thought. He knew history. He knew uh, secrets of the Egyptians. And he was a man commissioned for the great work. And he came up with these ideas of the congregation and of separating the congregation, uh, being on one case the army of the over 600,000 men plus some of the other supporting ladies and, 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 and personnel that uh, would go. But the main congregation uh, would, would, would not go that route. And we're, we're just sort of going back over some of these things because they're so very, very important. And um, we, 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 we've just got to really see the, the revelation of this thing of the congregation and how that this story is just so clearly told. And, and uh, now, was this something that, this idea of, of dividing uh, this, these, these people up, was, was, that, was that something that uh, had been done before? Yes. 
and we want, we wanted to talk about that because it is so important to understand uh, that. Now you remember, just in case you've forgotten, and we don't want you to have forgotten, but you remember that uh, in Exodus twelve seventeen through eighteen, we talked about how that there was the the route one, which was the wilderness to the Red Sea, and then we talked about route two which was land and sea toward the Philistine land of Canaan and <clears throat> how that the Bible says that uh, the people of Israel went up harnessed and so that some of these people that went up harnessed was one group and then the other group that went up armed was a different group. So there was the armed group, which were the soldiers, and then the harness group, which were the people of Israel. And they went two different routes. One into the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the other toward the land and the sea. And we're talking west toward the Mediterranean, and then turning north to go toward uh, Canaan. Now, Later, God reveals a, a plan of Beersheba to Dan, or Dan to Beersheba. So you have the south extreme, Beersheba. And on the north extreme, you have Dan. And that is approximately 150 miles. Now, if you look at that 150 miles, that was, that was promised land. Other people were living there, but that was the promised land. But all of these 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 things are, are are not just accidental. They all they all have a purpose. Now they were their border, um, you know, that was to be the western border was the Mediterranean. And then their their uh, their border that was to be uh, the northern border. Uh, would go all the way to the Euphrates. Uh, just this side of the Euphrates was Mount Hermon. And then on the opposite side of the mountain was Damascus. So that's all in the Bible and very, very clear. And we begin to see all these borders that they were given and, and how that there was a plan for all of these things to come together. So there was a king that knew Joseph could speak his language, could understand him. He was a Semitic type of pharaoh. And he was involved in ru ruling lower Egypt. And that's where the children of Israel came uh, under the tutelage of Joseph to, to stay in, in, in Goshen. Uh, in a very prosperous uh, place where they could feed their, their sheep. And not far from there was, was the city of uh, Pythom, and, and uh, that's P-I-T-H-O-M, and uh, Ramesses, R-A-A-M-S-E-S, Exodus 1.11. And Israel built those two cities for the pharaoh. Later, Moses then had to flee to, to, to Midian, uh, near, the, uh, near uh, a mountain uh, of, of Horeb, 
and uh, we're, we may or may not be able to have time to talk about that. But um, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting how that uh, the event, the event that caused um, Mo, the, the new Pharaoh that did not know Joseph to finally say, okay, take your people and get out of here was when the angels got involved and they brought death to all the firstborn. We'll stop right there and let it gently on the organ for the break and we'll pick it up in a little bit.
you again, Janet Lee. Wow. I'm still feeling that spirit. Wow. Okay. So now we're just at the point about this thing of the firstborn. Now this, this firstborn is a major revelation. There, there, there is the church of the firstborn. It's a major subject. And so when we're talking about Israel being saved under the firstborn Passover covenant, but the people of Egypt that do not prepare themselves, and because they haven't prepared themselves in the same uh, uh, sacrificial way, uh, then all their firstborn uh, children and, and relatives die. And when that happens, it's just, it just breaks their will. It, it, it breaks the Pharaoh's will. And he just finally says, just get out of here. And the people of, Israel, of uh, Egypt just want Israel to get out. But it's, there's something else interesting. And that is that when Moses brought back his wife Zipporah and his two children, and they were along the route into into back to Egypt. Something came up about this firstborn thing, and here's how it works in the in the spirit world. Your Ephesians says that flesh and blood is is not where the battle is. Ephesians says it's powers and principalities. And as we begin to look at that and understand that and put the revelation to it and the manifestation of insight to it, then we see something that happens to Moses. An angel appears to kill Moses. And, and people believe that it was the capital L capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord Yahweh, or Yahweh, Yahweh El. But I don't believe that. But they don't understand that like in the book of Samuel and in the book of Chronicles, that the Bible says in Chronicles that Satan stood up and caused the, the people of Israel and David to number the children of Israel. But in Samuel it says that the Lord stood up. But they didn't understand that that Lord, that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, represents an archangel. And especially it's involved because there are two morning stars. Lucifer has the morning star office. He has not been taken away from that until the white throne judgment. So he's still operating under the banner of Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So Lucifer brought the case. All right. Moses has to be killed because all of the, the children of the firstborn of Egypt were killed. And whenever there is any kind of an action that happens in one realm, of the negative, it can also happen in the positive realm, vice versa. When something happens in the positive realm, it is then open to also happen in the negative realm. So now, Moses had not 
been obedient to the Abrahamic covenant and had not had his firstborn son circumcised. And that allowed the firstborn death punishment that went on to Egypt and God being equal to all persons to then pass over and to come upon Moses. And no doubt it would have also been upon his son. And that that angel that was standing there to bring that about was none other person than Lucifer himself. And if Zipporah had not hurried with a sharp stone and cut off and circumcised her firstborn son, Moses would have been would have died right there. Because Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, day and forever, Jesus Christ is the is the same to all people. There, there's a law, and and that law has to has to be fair to all people. But then something came out of that. She took that foreskin and she threw it down at the feet of Moses and said, Thou art a bloody husband unto me. And when she did that, she broke her marriage covenant to Moses. And she was sent back by Moses to her father in Midian. He sent her back. Now, understand that Zipporah had been acting or been chosen as a proxy for an Ethiopian wife that Moses had committed to at a much earlier time, but that didn't get consummated because of of the war that was going on, and then with the thing that happened where he had to flee and go flee and go to Midian. But understand that this Ethiopian wife was a divine plan of God, and when Miriam and Aaron came against Moses about it, the Lord on the Yahweh good side stood up and said, how dare you bring a charge like this against Moses? I have a relationship with him. We speak face to face. And he had approved this marriage and he put leprosy on Miriam. And if Aaron and Moses had not fervently prayed, she would have had that the rest of her life and would have been kicked out of the camp. So it's very interesting that there were these Ethiopians that history tells us were a holy military. They had a holy military 
And they, they believed in just the one God. And I want to share with you some things about those people, but not today because I don't have time. But in this printout that we sent on the broadcast announcement, we talked about how that the, the wealth of Egypt, the wealth of Egypt was transferred from the Egyptians to Israel. Now remember, these Israelites were just basically poor slaves. But something happened. There is a list of the spoil that they took, just not all of it by a long shot, but it's just, it will just almost blow you away. Exodus 35, 5 through 9, and 22 through, through 29, and it doesn't include the weapons and the tools that they got out of the treasuries. And this is a list including gold and silver and, and jewelry that they got and they took from Egypt. And it's an incredible list. And it makes it very, very clear by the scriptures that they plundered Egypt. And the very word spoil means to take away, to carry away. And it was a, the, uh, there was a word in there, recover, which obviously must have referred to the unpaid wages for work and the abuse that they had. They were recovering that by these items that they took. Now, this is the interesting thing, and I have never heard anyone ever preach on this. But in the Bible, in the Bible, mo uh, this, this, this Pharaoh is so angry, he's so angry that the the expropriation of wealth from the Egyptians was nothing to him less than the looting of Egypt. And when he discovers that the storage facilities of the treasure cities, Pithom and Ramesses, also were looted, a spirit of revenge possessed him. And, and this Here's an MIV of what he actually said, recorded in the Bible, in Exodus 15, 9. Then said Pharaoh, I, were, I will pursue and overtake Moses and Israel. I will slay them and recapture the goods and divide the spoil among my soldiers and family. My passion for revenge shall be satisfied. See, it wasn't just the anger of these people leaving and no longer going to be slaves. But this money thing came in, the love of money, the love of, of goods. And when it was discovered, the, the bulk of the riches that had been taken from, from Egypt, that's when the army was mentally ready and the pharaoh was mentally ready to go all out to catch these Israelites and to, to destroy them and get back the gold and the silver and the jewelry and all the goods. And that's what it was about. But they were not able to bring that about because the cloud ministry was very, very active.
Now, what does it tell us about the cloud ministry? Well, it, it tells us incredible things that, that was able to be done. You know, it, 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 it tells us that, um, that these um, people that were angels of, you know, that the angels of God, um, they, they went before um, uh, the people of Israel and, and they did incredible things. Well, what kind of things did they do? Well, they fought the wars. And there is actually scriptures in here that says that these people did not have to use their bows and arrows. They did not have to use their, their swords because the angels caused hornets to come and chase out two large groups, two large cities of Amorites so that they just left their cities and fled the country because these hornets would not give up on them and were after them. Now that's the pillar cloud in just one small reveal. And that's part of the kind of thing that was written in the lost book of the wars. Now God wants his people to have a, have a pillar, pillar cloud ministry of angels. He wants us to not think in terms that those, that is not available to us. But we have to get into a recognition of what the whole reality of this angelship relationship is about. Now look, let me read this here and see if this sounds like the harness group being separated from the armed group, the army. This is in Numbers 32. Verse 14. And behold, you are risen up in your father's stead. Now here we've got the second act that happened. First you had the 600 and some odd thousand soldiers that represented the father ministry but failed. Then we begin to have these new groups that are the sons that now are taking over the ministry of their fathers. It's just like what happened to, uh, to Aaron on Mount Hor, H-O-R. God spoke to him through Moses and said, now, you're going to die, so get ready, and you're, we're going, you're, and you're going to go up to the Mount, Mount Hor, and you're going to die there. So bring your son, and Moses and his son and Aaron went up to this mountain. And Moses took all of the, the garments and all the spiritual symbols off of Aaron and put it onto his son. And the Bible says, then Aaron died there. So when it says, and behold, you are risen up in your father's stead, because, you know, Aaron and Miriam, they, they never got to cross over because they had had that rebellion. 
And those 600 and some odd thousand soldiers never got to cross over because they had that rebellion. They weren't the same exact rebellion, but it was rebellion. Which the Bible says rebellion can be like witchcraft. That thing of the Father had to be, had to be finished. And when you pray, Jesus said, pray, My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And Jesus said in John 14, In my Father's house are many mansions. You are risen up in your Father's stead. You are in your Father's stead. That's representing the Father. And the Father is not a father if he doesn't have children. So the children of Israel is represented by the Father ministry. And then there's individuals representing the Father ministry. And increase. You're, you're risen up instead of the sinful men. And to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. Verse 16, And they came near unto him and said, unto Moses and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them into their place, and our little ones shall dwell in fit cities because of the inhabitants of the land. And we will not return into our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. Verse 26, our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and our cattle shall be there in the cities. But thy servants will pass over the Passover. <laughs> the Passover. Now you had the Passover from, from Egypt, out of Egypt. Now you got another Passover taking place here. And that's not the last Passover. And thy servants will pass over every man armed for war before the Lord to battle as my Lord saith. Now he said, we're going to leave, separate from our, our little ones, from our wives, from our flocks. And we're going to go out as an army. And we begin to see that this is something that was in the plan of the Passover. This was part of the Passover plan. And we see the very word Passover used right there. Now this thing of the go-up harnessed, we were able to show you by Strong's concordance that the word harnessed means number five. It means five in a rank, like five different separations. You can find that in Strong's concordance, Hebrew 2571 dictionary, which is from the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary 2570. And it's about the number five. Now isn't that interesting that when Moses was given the ministry to write the Bible, that he wrote the Pentateuch, or the Pentateuch, which means five. So you had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You have the five books by Moses. Then you've got the hand of God ministry. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. The hand of God. And why is that so important? Because on the fifth day, which has to be sanctified, 
Lucifer, Satan, took over that day. It was the longest day. That's when he, in, 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 in the Genesis, some people say, well, there, all, all the days were the same. No, they weren't. And that's when the, the dinosaurs were made by Lucifer, Satan. Because those were generations, the Bible says, in the second chapter of Genesis. And that five had to be handled. Ninth chapter of Revelation talks about about this, this number five again. And the keys, the fifth angel comes down and hands the keys to the bottomless pit to Lucifer, Satan. That five is being dealt with and it has to have an offset to it. And that's all part of the, of the harnessed revelation of the Father ministry standing in and having that power to go forth armed to deliver and then this family ministry following that Passover plan. And it's an absolutely beautiful thing. Now, let's just, let's just look at something. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 32 of Genesis. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Now we have the angels of God meeting Jacob. This pillar cloud ministry, all the way back to Jacob. Remember, this, this, is, this is before the Egyptian thing. And Jacob saw them, and he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim which means two different camps. And that Mahanim represented the two groups of the two kinds of angels, the cherubim and the artersians, which were elect angels. Of the ophanim, they could not be totally restored to be an ophanim because that could not happen until the white throne judgment. So in the 68th chapter of Psalms, when it talks about these angels to 20,000, those, those have a totally different name than any of the other, other names of angels in the entire Bible. And obviously, if you read it carefully, it, those represent the elect angels, the, the Arturians of the Father's house. We're into the Father's house revelation. And Jacob, verse 3, sent messengers before him to Esau's brother into the land of Sire, or Seir, the, the, the uh, country of Edom. Now, here's what was done. Joseph divided his animals. And guess how he divided them? He put them into droves. Now, would you guess that there was three groups, or two groups, or four groups, or five groups, or ten groups? Why, there was five groups. And that's what the Bible teaches. And we're going to show you what these five groups were. Okay, number one, uh, these five groups that were divided by, uh, by Jacob represented 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats. Group one. 200 ewes and 
20 rams, group two, 30 camels and their coats, colts, group three, 40 kine and 10 bulls, group four, and 20 she-asses and 10 foals, group five. And there was a distance put in between these different divisions, these five divisions of the animals that were set to go before, before Jacob. Now, let's look at this terminology. Verse 16 of chapter 32. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves. And he said unto his servants, now get a hold of this word, pass over before me and put a space betwixt, betwixt drove and drove. Now there's this space of separation to distinguish the five divisions and it's called a Passover. So now you've got Three Passovers that are mentioned in the Bible. This Exodus escape is something that Moses knew by the Spirit because he wrote Genesis. He wrote this story describing what happened here. He knew about this thing, about the separation that was, is called harnessing, went harnessed. And he knew the difference between that and then the army that was armed. Well, why would the, ar the army need to go armed if the angels were taking care of everything? Well, because you couldn't always depend upon the army that they would be faithful to the, to the plan of God and then they may have to use their own strength to get by the best they could. But if they would be obedient to God, then God would do the miracles. Send the hornets, and the angels would go before him. But if they're not going to be obedient, then the angels don't go before him, and the pillar cloud stops. Ladies and gentlemen, that is so important. Now, the fathers were a big thing. And it talks about in Exodus 6 4, the heads of the father's house. Check out also Exodus 10 6. And it talks about um, those that were numbered, oh, oh, uh, 20 years old and upward, throughout their father's house. That's, X, that's Numbers 17.6 and 26.2. And in Numbers 32.14 through 22, it talks about risen up in your father's house instead. I read that to you earlier. It talks about, in Numbers 31.26, about there being chief fathers. It is so absolutely important, this thing of the father's house. This thing that is represented of the fathers. 
when Jesus was getting ready to make his departure, described in John 13, 1 through 3, he said, I depart out of this world to the Father. Oh, does that ever, does that ever sink deep into my heart? I depart out of this world to the Father. This was all part of the rod revelation. Aaron had a rod. Moses had a rod. Now, Moses actually represented the tribe of Levi. But because he said, I can't do this, then God says, okay, I'll give you someone else who will stand in the place of God for you. And that ended up being his brother Aaron. So the rod of Aaron was capable of doing some of the same things that the rod of Moses was. And in Exodus 17, 12, Aaron's rod swallowed up the serpent's rods. Well, it turns out, as described also in number 17, 2 through 9, that in the house of the fathers, every father who was the chief over a tribe had a rod that represented that father's house. And they were called a prince. The chiefs were called a prince, and each one had a rod. So there came the time when they decided, okay, which of the fathers would be chosen for this special envoy, for this special particular work? And, and they said, well, God will have to decide. And every, every father took his rod and they put it in a certain place and they were waiting for some kind of a sign to show which of the rods, which represented uh, a person who was representing the father of that tribe, would be chosen. And the Bible says, of all those 12 rods, there was one, only one, that was chosen. And it bloomed and it was the rod of Aaron. We see how important that rod is because when it is talking about Jesus Christ in Jeremiah um, 10, 16, it talks about Israel is the rod of his inheritance. And then in Isaiah 11, 1, it says a rod shall come out of the stem of Jesh. A rod. It talks about in Ezekiel 19, 14, fire out of the rod. And oh, there is so much. I mean, that, that would be days and days of teaching just to go through the rod revelation. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's all part of this incredible revelation. It's all part of this beautiful thing that God is wanting to do in revealing his plan of the Passover. If we ever needed to get this idea of the Passover in our heads, in our hearts, in our lives, it is right now. There are people that have habits that they need to pass over. There are people that have fears that they need to pass over. There are people that have sins that they need to pass over. There are people that have wrong ideology, wrong doctrines, wrong persuasions. And there are people that are just 
satisfied to dwell in ignorance of many, many things that they need to pass over. Because until you get in the Passover that takes you into the promised land and you cross the Jordan, then you don't cross the waters that are coming out of the mountain of Hermon from the spring there. And that whole thing of the mountain of Hermon is where the two different groups of angels came down. The angels of Lucifer and the angels of the Ophanim. And they were divided with, the, with a, a, a mountain peak in between the two of them. Because there's three peaks on that mountain of Hermon. And this was in the area close to, to the valley that runs up between the anti-Lebanon mountains and Mount Hermon where the valley of, e of Eden existed. And, the, and, and there was the East Garden and the, and the West Garden. Now, the West Garden was more toward the Mediterranean, which was toward the anti-Lebanon mountains, which was vividly described in all of the holdings of the West Garden uh, and, and, and the people of the West Garden. But the east side, the eastern garden, was toward Mount Hermon. And some of the other lands of, of representation of the spiritual events like Sinai. And these things are so important, so beautiful, and so awesome. Well, you know, there's people that say, well, there's no proof that Israel ever went and battled and did all these things. No, that's not true. You know, Fairly recently, they found the Armana, A-M-A-R-N-A, -A tablets. There was 382 of these clay tablets. And written by the Can Canadian, uh, the Canaanites, we'll get it straight. <laughs> the Canaanites. I got my wife getting on the organ and helping me. <laughs> Canaanites. Written on these tablets by the Canaanites to Pharaoh. And they write to the Pharaoh of Egypt for help to defend themselves from the invading forces of Israel under Joshua. Then they found this other uh, uh, writ in one of the temples where they had uh, written to, to uh, the Pharaoh Amenhotep. And they had said the... The Hebrew, which is another spelling for Hebrew, are now attempting to take Jerusalem. Oh, when they say there's no proof. This is just people that don't know what they're talking about. When they say that people don't know what's going on, there are people that do know what's going on. There are people that understand, that understand the meaning of Beersheba 
and Dan. That understand the meaning of Horeb, where Moses was meeting God. Now people say, well, that gets confusing because there's Horeb and there's Mount Sinai, and it almost sounds like they both are the same thing, and yet somehow they're not. That's right, because Horeb represents the mountain range, and Sinai represents the in particular mountain where the covenant was received. So it's all part of that same range, but it's also the individual mountain, Sinai. And it's all important to know that. So when Elijah fled from this Jezebel woman that wanted to kill him, and he fled to Horeb, and went in the, the power of, of the food that was given him by the angel, the pillar angel, and he found a cave. That cave may not have been on Sinai, but on one of the mountains of Horeb, which was the mountain ranges that Sinai belonged to. We have to understand those things to really understand the message. And when we see this revelation of Mount Hermon on the sides of the north, and how that Lucifer, Satan, has a plan. He, he does not want this revelation for people to escape. He wants to stop that plan. He does not want people to be able to enter into the Passover. But when we look at this and we see how that on the sides of the north, and the congregation on the sides of the north, on Mount Hermon, and that, that ha makes a cross, 33.33, from west to east, and from south to north, 33.33, degrees, we begin to realize this is not minor stuff. This is beautiful, awesome revelation stuff. And the Bible says in Numbers 15, 12, according to the number that you shall prepare, so shall you do every one according to their offerings, according to the work that God has given you too. And according to the names and the numbers of the people and the tribes, and according to the UT, the Yerman Thummim. It is so important. It is so awesomely beautiful. Well, we want to talk more about Zipporah and the Ethiopian. But we're running out of time. And we will finish up next week. We'll talk about those things. Every day with Jesus
Better than the day before Every day with Jesus I love Him more and more Every day with Jesus Sweeter than the day before Every day with Jesus Sweeter than the day 